20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome inside another edition of a Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Nick Schmitz, and I will be your host today. We will be continuing our coverage of position breakdown for this Packers team. Joining me today to do that is my co-host, Jacob Westendorf. Jacob, how are you doing today? Doing well. It's a, you know, week. It's actually starting the longest week of on the sports calendar, no football on Sunday uh, for the first time in a long time and just kind of waiting up to build that hype up for the Super Bowl. So I'm trying to find my other interests now, whether that's the NBA or college hoops or something like that, but it's starting to get to be that time of year. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, uh, you know, another disappointing year in which the green and gold are not in the Super Bowl, but, uh, you know, next year, bigger and better things. So, Well, Jacob, today, as promised, we are going to continue with the position breakdown for this Packers team. Uh, Today, we are going to be talking about cornerbacks specifically. We're not going to be including safeties, uh, with one exception, which is Tremont Williams, because on the Packers' official website, he is listed as a corner, even though he spent almost, what, half the season playing safety. We'll still consider him a corner since he is listed as that on the Packers' official website for the position so quickly Jacob I'm just gonna give you the rundown of all the corners that are on the team as of right now so that includes players that were brought in say mid-season to fill a need due to injury as well as players that ended up on IR that are playing corner Uh, so first one on the list Natrell Jamerson uh, where's number 21? He's 5'11", 201 pounds, 23 years old. He's a rookie out of Wisconsin. Prashad Breland, he's the big one um, that everybody seems to like in Green Bay right now. 5'11", 195. He's 26 years old. He's in his fifth year. He was brought in midseason to play corner. He was brought in on a one-year deal. It's up in the air. It sounds like he wants to be back in Green Bay. Uh, but, you know, that contract only one year, it'll, it'll be interesting to see whether Green Bay pays him or not. Um, Tony Brown, next guy on the list, six feet tall, 199 pounds. He's only 23 years old. He's a rookie out of Alabama. He was one of those guys, Jacob, a lot of people talked about this year. I know you mentioned pre-show that he's got, you know, a lot of raw talent and people see a lot of upside to him. Uh, but I would say from what I saw from him this year, he still has a long ways to go. He's got a lot of learning to do, and I don't think he would ever be what you would call a starting corner, but I feel, you know, if he progresses well, he could, you know, be a viable fourth, maybe third option. I don't know. Maybe that's putting it a little too much. Um, Then you've got the two rookies, Josh Jackson and Jair Alexander. Not a whole lot needs to be said there about those two guys. Uh, Alexander made great dividends towards the team this year, great impact at corner. Josh Jackson, his rookie year was kind of a struggle a little bit, up and down. There were times, you know, few and far between where it looked good, and then there was a lot of times where it didn't look that great, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he won't work out. Um, and then you have Tremont Williams. He's 
35 years old, going to be 36. He's going to be entering his 13th year in the league. You know, it's kind of uncertain right now. You know, he played, like we said, half the season, it seemed, at, at safety. It's, you know, unclear right now if he'll stay at safety, if they'll put him back at corner, or even if they'll bring him back. He does have another year on his deal, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. And then uh, three other guys on the injured reserve you have Devon House, who, you know, he's 29 years old. And I don't know about you, Jacob. I'm sure Packer fans aren't clamoring to bring him back. I don't. I, I just, I, I see it as right now there's too many better, younger players on the roster than him to bring him back. Obviously, you have Kevin King, who's, you know, the promising rookie. You and I have talked about it. When healthy, he looks good, but that is his issue right now. He has not been able to stay healthy. And finally, uh, Will Redmond, he's a third-year player out of Mississippi State as well, ended up on IR. So, Jacob, there's a lot of corners there. It is a position that was not great this past season, but it is a position that you kind of look at and you say, if they can stay healthy, there seems to be a lot of potential. And I think where everybody would love to see this end up is in, and in no particular order necessarily, but I, I think a lot of fans would love to see Kevin King, Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, and Brashad Breland as your four starting corners. And when you say that out loud and on paper, if that's healthy for a 16-game season, I mean, that that sounds like a pretty good corner group, does it not? Yeah, it does. I mean, uh, there's a lot of talent in that room. There's a lot of potential. And like you mentioned on paper, you know, the problem is games aren't played on paper. They're played on a football field. And, you know, there's some growing pains, obviously, that have come with Joshua Jackson. That's pretty normal for a rookie cornerback. You know, guys like Marshawn Lattimore, are the exception to the rule. That guy was phenomenal immediately. That doesn't happen very often to where a corner is just good right away. Might be the toughest position in professional football to adjust to at the NFL level, especially with the modern rules nowadays. Um, so Josh Jackson playing, quote-unquote, poorly this year, I'm not overly concerned about that. Uh, I made the joke on Twitter last week that, you know, move Josh Jackson to safety – is the new move Clay Matthews to inside linebacker. One person came up with the idea, and it gains a little bit of steam, and they think it's this fix-all, where reality is Josh Jackson has a ton more value as a player if he can play outside corner. And I think he can play outside corner in this scheme. In an ideal world, like you mentioned, next year you want those four corners. I've got King and Jackson on the outside. I've got Alexander and Breland playing in the slots, and let's go from there. Um at the same time, you can find a lot of question marks with that as well. Kevin King, we talked about his health. Josh Jackson, yeah, he had some struggles um, throughout the year. So that can be, is that a you know a rookie learning curve or is that a permanent thing? Jair Alexander had a pretty good year, and I'm pretty sure he's going to be good. But sometimes we've seen it before where players just stop getting better. Haha Clinton Dix is an example of that. And Bashad Breeland, he's a free agent. The Packers may very well bring him back. Uh, but they also may not. So there's some question mark on him as well. Um, it might be the most interesting position group on the team because of that, because I can say, yeah, those four guys right there make for what might be the best, potentially the best secondary in the league. And then you've got 
also the potential of having to start all over again at the cornerback position again after they've invested a bunch of picks in that position in that position group. So it's very interesting from that regard. So you're right. Yeah, on paper, it sounds great. But, you know, as I said, a game has never, ever been won on paper. Yeah, well, you're very right there. And, you know, one of the things, too, that I would – you know, we talk about how it looks good on paper, and now granted, you know, some of it, you know, was injury. Jair Alexander missed a few games this year with injuries. Uh, you know, Kevin King went on IR about halfway through the season, and, you know, it, and even Brashad Breland, he spent time on and off the injury list and didn't come in till about, you know, a quarter of the way through the season. But at the end of the day, their corners – throughout the entire season, tallied four interceptions. Brashad Breland had two. He had one against Miami, and he had a pick six against Atlanta. Jair Alexander had one interception, and it was a gift from Josh Allen, who threw up a wounded duck, you know, in Lambeau. And then Kevin King... He had one interception against the 49ers, which was was a hell of a play, but I... I don't know about you, Jacob, but when I look back, even with injuries, I'm just looking at the, the the list on a website of interceptions by Packers corners, and the fact that there's only four throughout the entire year, regardless of who they're the, of what which players are on the list, four is a very low number. I feel like for your group of corners to have for interceptions. Yeah, the Packers, I mean, their biggest issue this year on defense, and there were a lot of them, Mike Patton definitely made this group better, uh, but it certainly wasn't a championship-caliber defense or anything close to that. And their biggest problem was their inability to turn the ball over. And you mentioned four interceptions from your cornerback group. The guy who led the team in interceptions was ha-ha Clinton Dix. He was traded in October. Like, that's insane to me that that is true. But it is. Clinton Dix led the team in picks. Uh, Tremont Williams didn't have an interception, like you mentioned. Kevin King had one. Like you mentioned, great play. Uh, Jair Alexander only had the one. Now, interceptions aren't everything, obviously. Uh, There's a lot of bad players that have – maybe not bad players, but players that look better because they lead the league in interceptions. Somebody like Darren Sharper who comes to mind immediately when it comes to that. Maybe not the greatest player, but had a lot of interceptions. So he's got those sexy plays on there that make him look better than he truly is. Um, but yeah, that's something they need to get better on next year is, you know, Matt LaFleur even pointed it out in his introductory press conference of, you know, what kind of defense do you want? He says, I want an aggressive ball hawking defense. And you look at the guys that they've drafted, Josh Jackson was drafted probably almost exclusively because of his ball skills. Uh, didn't come to fruition during the season. Jair Alexander has an ability to be here on the ball. Kevin King has an ability to be here on the ball. Rashad Breland, as you mentioned, two interceptions in like six games or something like that. I mean, that's that's a big percentage there if you extrapolate that over the entire season. It's just they didn't turn the ball over enough, and that's something they need to get to next year. An improved pass rush will help that. Improved coverage, better knowledge in their second season. A lot of stuff will help that, but they do need to get their hands on more footballs. Okay, well, so let's let's talk about the kind of elephant in the room with this group here, and that is – Brashad Breland, right? He signed the one-year in-season deal. He's technically set to be a free agent. I know I've seen on Twitter at one point, you know, he said he would love to be back, and the Packers have first dibs since they brought him in. 
do you see the Packers bringing him back? And how much money do you think he will command as, you know, someone who, you know, was an impact player for this team and his career has kind of been up in the air with that injury? Do you see the Packers bringing him back? And do you see money being an issue as to why they might not bring him back if they decide to move on? Shouldn't be. Um, you know, like you mentioned, there's plenty of plenty of cap space to go around this offseason. I don't think – Breland was signed last year. I think it was a three-year, $24 million deal that eventually got voided by the Carolina Panthers after he hurt his foot. Green Bay could easily, I think, get him for a very similar deal, if not less money, because he's coming off a year where he only played in like six or seven games. I don't have the exact numbers, but I know he didn't play in a lot of games because of the injury at the beginning of the season, and then he got hurt with some stuff during uh, the regular season as well. So I think this is no – I mean, if you go up and down the list of free agents for Green Bay, they have about $55 million in cap space, depending on who you ask. They have a lot of money and not a lot of guys that are coming back to spend it on. Like Randall Cobb is not somebody they should be re-signing, for example. Um there's a lot of guys on that list of potential free agents that Green Bay just doesn't need to resign. Breland is really the only one who I think they should be looking at really hardcore, and I'll pro- probably the only one that I'll be disappointed about if he's allowed to play elsewhere. Whereas, like someone like Cobb or Muhammad Wilkerson or somebody like that, I'm not going to be too disappointed if they go somewhere else, just because Breland is the only one that really had this significant impact throughout the course of the year. So they shouldn't allow a couple bucks to get in the way. Allowing a couple bucks to get in the way is kind of how they cost themselves Jared Cook, um, and we kind of have seen how that's happened from there. Now, some of that is on Jared Cook as well. I know that's been talked about, but they tried to save a couple bucks. And frankly, I'm kind of over them missing out on guys on trying to save a couple dollars. Like, if you have to pay Bashad Breeland $6 million a year instead of $5 million a year, so be it. Get it done. You'd rather have the guy on your team – than not on your team. So that's where I'm at with that. Get him in the fold. Not necessarily whatever it takes. If you got to pay him $12 million a year, that's elite corner money. You don't need to do that. But that mid-level stuff, bring him back. He fits in well. Jair Alexander seems to like him too, so that should matter to some degree also. So the next question is, let's assume for a second, presume that every corner on the team will be healthy for the entire 2019 season, which won't happen, but we're going to pretend for the sake of argument here. So... Assuming that every corner is available, what should the order be as far as who gets the reps? And I know you kind of alluded to it earlier of where you uh, of where you want players, but I mean, top to bottom, who is the best? And if, you know, if you're saying I have to rank these guys, who are your top four in order of the best corners on the team? Well, best corners and roles can kind of interchange a little bit. Um, if I had to go on, you know, some potential and stuff like that as well, which you kind of have to do with this group since they're all so young, uh, I think Kevin King has the potential to be a number one corner. So I am putting him number one. I'm putting Jair Alexander number two. I'm putting Bashad Breland number three. And I'm putting Josh Jackson number four. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I would line those guys up in different spots. And I think the best part about that group right there is they can match up with a lot of different things. Jair Alexander is your guy to match up. If the Packers 
are playing in the Super Bowl next year against the New England Patriots because I feel pretty confident sitting here right now saying the Patriots will probably be in the Super Bowl again as long as Tom Brady and Bill Belichick don't retire tomorrow. Um, the nice part about it is, Jair Alexander, you've got Julian Edelman, okay? Your job is to run and shadow him around the field, and I'm pretty confident that he could do that really well. Uh, Josh Jackson, you can line up with Rob Gronkowski or one of their other outside receivers that they've probably brought in and messed up with a little bit. Kevin King, do they have a big receiver? Okay, you cover him. And then Breland, maybe they don't line up with a lot of their receivers, so your job is the running back. Or Josh Jones, your job is the running back. Oren Burks, your job is the running back. They have so many pieces they can match up with appropriately against good teams. They just need to find a way to get them all on the field as possible and get them get them on the field. Like That's the reality is if those guys are on the field, it has potential to be dangerous. But potential is an ugly word, and it can mean disappointment to some degree as well. So they need to figure out a way to keep them on the field and reach their potential. All right. So assuming, let's assume for a second that they bring back Breland, and you've got King, Breland, Alexander, Jackson, and then we'll say they keep Tremont Williams. Do the Packers look at any potential corners in free agency or the draft, or do you look at that list and say, when healthy, we don't need anybody else? Uh, I mean, some of that depends on a few things, obviously. I think if there's anything that the Packers fan base should have learned since the the run-the-table stretch of 2016 is you can never have enough quality cornerbacks. Um, And I think that that's something that's bit them in the ass a couple times in the fact that, you know, this year, earlier in the year, we're talking about, you know, Devon House is the fifth corner on the roster and he never plays, and they're one turned ankle from Kevin Kingaway, and there he is on the field chasing Stephon Diggs. And Stephon Diggs is running away from him for a touchdown. So I don't know if I should say that they're ever feeling good, quote-unquote, about where they're at, but they, it's not something they have to prioritize. Like, you know, say if, if Josh Norman gets cut, Maybe Josh Norman's somebody that you kind of ignore that for anyways. But if somebody like that is on the market, they don't have to break the bank on that. They should probably spend their money, their big money elsewhere. But at the same time, if the value is there, you can never have enough quality corners. Um, like I mentioned, potential is an ugly word. And having competition in their draft room, in their or not the draft room, I'm sorry, in their cornerback room, can't be a bad thing. Competition breeds excellence, and that's kind of the biggest way for the Packers need to be thinking going forward. Okay, so last question before we move on here quickly, and please tell me the answer is yes. Will the Packers' corners have more than four interceptions next season? Josh Jackson will have more than four interceptions next season. How about that? All right, well, you heard it here first, Green Bay. Josh Jackson alone will have more interceptions than the entire cornerbacks of this 2018 season. There's your hot take for the day. All right, Jacob. Well, so as we wrap up here with this position group, um, it's been two weeks since we've been on the podcast. The next time you and I will be on this podcast will be the the Wednesday following the Super Bowl. So I know it's not Packers related, but just quickly give me your Super Bowl 53 prediction. Patriots 34, Rams 20, and I hate it. I don't want the Patriots to win. 34 to 20? You're not even giving them a last possession game here. 
No, um, I've made a lot of money this postseason betting on the Patriots, and that really is the way that I – listen, I'm going to – mini rant here. Um, I think teams like the Patriots are good for their prospective sport because I had this conversation with Wayne Larravee before, oddly enough, and it was, are teams like that good for the game? And the answer to me is yes, because I sit back and I dream, and even still now, if I want the Packers to win the Super Bowl, you know, back in the 90s, when the Packers were going to the Super Bowl, everybody said, who do you want to beat? It wasn't even necessarily in the Super Bowl, but they wanted to make sure they beat the Cowboys. That's why Packers fans were chanting, we want Dallas in that 96 playoff game. Didn't work out that way. Uh, nowadays, if I could pick for the Packers to win the Super Bowl, I would want them to beat the Patriots. So I think a team like that is good for the game, but that doesn't mean I don't hate them. And I do. I hate them. I'm jealous of them, and that's a large reason why I hate them. Their fans are a freaking plague. And then you remember the fact that most of them are Red Sox fans too, and Red Sox fans suck. Sorry for those of you that no! are No! Red Sox fans suck? Yeah, they do. I'm sorry if you are one also. but I... <laughs> nope, not, not, a, a not a Red Sox fan. fan. No, okay. I've never met a fan base more obsessive with their quarterback than they are the actual team. People don't even, don't even talk – Patriots fans, quote-unquote, don't even talk about the fact that the Patriots are going for their sixth Super Bowl ring. They talk about Tom Brady going for his sixth Super Bowl ring as if that is the only thing that they care about in that regard. It's weird. Their obsession with him is weird. The tweets that I get from random-ass Patriots fans coming at me because I suggest maybe, hey, Cam Newton runs faster than Tom Brady, and they'll be like, well, he doesn't have to run because he's Tom Brady and he's five rings and he's 41. And Cam Newton has to run because he's not a very good passer like Tom Brady is. I can't stand that crap. I hope the Patriots lose 34 to 3, but they're going to win because that's what they do, and I hate them for it. All right. Well, that that was quite the rant. I really appreciated <laughs> it. It was it was good. It was a lot of passion to that. I got uh, through it without an F bomb, so that's something that is impressive to me. I, I'm sure our godfather Andy Herman is very appreciative of that right now. <laughs> um all right, well that'll be it for us today. Uh, if you've missed any of the position breakdowns, you can always go back and listen to previous podcasts. Yesterday, Matt and Janelle broke down linebackers. Tomorrow, Steve, Dusty, and Sarah will be breaking down the safety position. And make sure to give that podcast a listen because Sarah is brand new with us. She has been on as a guest before, but she is starting this week full-time with the Pack-A-Day podcast group. She joins us. We're very excited to have her. So she will be on tomorrow with Steve and Dusty breaking down the safety position. Make sure you really give that podcast a listen. Check out what Sarah has to say. She's an excellent, excellent excellent podcaster so we really look forward to having her on the team now uh jacob if people want to follow you and you know catch up on any, maybe any of your patriot rants i know i see a lot of yankees posts out there with you um how can they do that yeah in case you wonder why i hated red sox fans that's a pretty good reason as to why <laughs> but i'm sure, yeah, I'm sure they feel the same about you <laughs> I'm sure they do and i can handle that that's okay shout out to nate clark one of my guys who has podcasted with me before so he deserves that one. But um, I am at Jacob Westendorf. Yeah, baseball season's coming, and there's also going to be a lot of related posts to the the child that is coming in September. So uh, forgive me on that. But, uh, yeah, I'm real excited about that. So if you want uh, Packers stuff in the fall, pretty much year-round, but now it's going to be a lot of baseball and baby. So 
at Jacob Westendorf. Find me there. All right. And as always, you can follow me at Sports Smitty. I've got something coming either late this week or early next week. Make sure to check it out. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of you that are upset with me for it. Jacob, I know you're not going to be happy with me for it, but uh, that'll be coming either later this week or early next week. Make sure you check it out at Sports Smitty on Twitter and make sure that you guys are following the podcast. We post every day on Twitter, every podcast that we have. Andy does such a great job of getting those up in a timely fashion so that you can get it on your way to work. And if it's not up quite then, you can always get it on your way home from work. Make sure to check it out every day of the week. And as always, make sure to follow, like, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. We really appreciate everything that you guys do. Thank you so much for all the support you guys have given us. We we are so looking forward to this great offseason. More position breakdowns. Like I said, safeties are tomorrow. If you missed anything, you can always go back and check out the podcast archives. Well, that is all the time we have for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And as always, go Pack Go. Set to Wild. Oh, yes! And taken by Jackson in the end zone for a touchdown! Geronimo Allison. Allison! Josh Jackson, the rookie, recovers in the end zone and a Lambo leap to the north end zone scales. The Packers have a 6 nothing lead. Beathard on third, down to three in the shotgun. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Beathard looking, hit as he throws it, deep down the right sidelines, and it is intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Snap to Rodgers, looking right. Throws the right side, St. Brown makes the touch. Oh, he reached back to gather it in, using all 6'5 of his frame. Tumbled out of bounds inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Hunter Bradley the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee, arm extended. Here it is, placement made, kick is up. It is good! He is good! Mason Crosby delivers the dagger! One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. Third and five, 13-yard line of Atlanta. Snap, Ryan, looks right, throws right side. Intercepted to the house, Bashad Breeland. Touchdown, Green Bay Packers. 19-yard interception return, and it's 16-7, Packers. Rodgers looks it over. Takes the snap. Blitz on. They pick it up. Lost they the right side. They, they got, got him. Single back offense behind Aaron Rodgers, who ducks it under center. From the 29 of Green Bay, and here's the handoff up the middle. Big hole, straight ahead. It is Aaron Jones off to the races, to the 20, to the 15, to the 10, down the left sidelines, and he's out of bounds. Inside the 10 of the five-yard line of Miami. Aaron Jones with a burst, 67 yards. Third and six, trailing 30 to 23. Two minutes straight up to go in the game. San Francisco showing a blitz through the A gap, and here they come. Rogers looking, throws left side of the end zone. Yes, touchdown, Devontae Adams, left corner of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers. 16-yard touchdown pass. The Packers an extra point away from getting this game tied.